What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? All right, so um, I don't really know how to get into this, but we're just going to start with NFL, XFL. Nick, take it away. Uh, sure. I'm going to get to the NFL after, but I just feel that the XFL is really hot right now, and as I talked about it last week, it really is seeming like this is a league that's going to be sustained. It's not going to collapse. Um, so just going through week two, um, a couple of interesting storylines. I guess I'll start with just covering the game scores. Uh, so, so far this week, remember there's eight teams. So we're going to have four games a week as of right now. That's what the XFL is. Uh, first game this week, we had the New York Guardians versus the D.C. Defenders. D.C. Defenders went 27-0, which stinks because I'm hoping to be a New York Guardians fan. Because obviously, you can't, I mean, Brian comes from New York, but not a good look still right now. <laughs> Uh, but moving on, we had Tampa Bay Vipers versus the Seattle Dragons. The Seattle Dragons won 17-9. to um, Next game, we had the Dallas Renegades versus the LA Wildcats. Uh, they won 28-18. to And then we had the Seattle Battlehawks versus the Roughnecks. And right now, that is actually live as we are recording, which is around 8 o'clock on Sunday night. And as of right now, the Roughnecks are up 21-12 to against the Seattle Battlehawks. Oh, so that about... That covers our, uh, in terms of games, that's what we had this week. Um, you know, other storylines, obviously, than just the scoring. Um, a couple of things that I've noticed, you know, going through week two. I don't watch all the games, but I definitely watch the highlights and pieces of the games. Um, so I'm hoping to get more and more into it and hopefully find time. But uh, stadium choices, which I noticed myself. But a lot of the stuff that I get from the NXFL and some of the interest I've been generating from is from this other, I would say, he has his own show called uh, Strong Pain Sports. His name is Zach Schalmer. I think he has a really good segment. You guys should go check him out at Strong Pain Sports. Uh, he, he's kind of like the rational view that I think, you know, he, he's like, oh, I think he, his show has over 100,000 subscribers as right now. It's almost 200,000, I think, at this point. Um, I just think he has a lot of great viewpoints, and he's really rational about everything he says, and he tries to back it up with data and film. So I, I just, I really like the points that he makes. But, you know, something I noticed that he also pointed out, is the stadiums that the the, the players can choose from? You know, let's go or the uh, teams choose to play in. You know, just give the New York Guardians for example. You know, MetLife uh, Stadium holds about eighty two thousand people, and you're not going to get eighty two thousand people to go watch an XFL game. You're better. You know, the entire top row is going to be empty for those games. You're probably going to get you know twenty to thirty thousand people to go watch an XFL game. As the league stands right right now. I think they're better off starting somewhere smaller, maybe using like Rutgers or I don't, I don't know whether football stadiums are in the near vicinity that would work, you know, as a New York team. But just going off of them, I think that the XFL should go to a smaller stadiums. You know, building an atmosphere is a big part of building a fandom, you know, getting people to really get involved, you know, like to be involved with the team, love the atmosphere, going to the games. That's a good way to build fan, a fan base. So I think that'd be really important. Um, another thing, Moving on from that, sorry, I burped. Um, getting, I think another thing that I noticed is the XFL really likes to get uh, intimate with their players. Almost after every play, they interview them. I think it's kind of an interesting concept, but I also saw um, Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley were at the game today, and one of the games, I forget which one, and they talked a little bit about it in, in an interview because the XFL interviewed them as they were sitting on the sidelines. Um, it seems like Melvin Gordon had a brilliant point. Is that, you know, when players are not having a great game. They really don't like to be interviewed. Mm. They'd rather just play football. And that might turn some players away. You know, the fact that the XFL is, although it's a player-oriented league, I think it's also a really 
big fan oriented league and some players would like some I don't know, some space while they're trying to play football and really focus on that rather than an interview. So, you know, as a fan we really like it, but I'm just thinking from a player's perspective they may not. So that's one thing to consider. Um so now for the juicier parts, uh, a little I could say a little more controversial um two things. So the first thing, um both there's two stories that's around the LA Wildcats. Uh so first thing after their loss last week, they lost 27-17. to 17. They wound up firing the defensive coordinator, which is pretty interesting that they fired the defensive coordinator after one game, and the, the franchise is so new and the league's so new. Um, I, I said, rather, it was a 37-17 to 17 loss, so these are rough next, but you know, either way, they fired the defensive coordinator, which I thought was pretty interesting, You know, as it, it looks really early to do that. And another thing is, that I think one of their defensive players, Anthony Johnson, he declared free agency on, twi- on Twitter. <laughs> Not really sure how that works. Um, it just seems really interesting. You know, this league is. It, I really love the XFL so far. You know, as I've talked about last week, I think the rules are really cool and how the whole entire league's orchestrated towards the players. But I just think it's something real. You know, it's not this fake facade that the NFL has put together that all their players are quote unquote perfect and that you know they're trying to be really clean where players can't curse. You know, along those lines. I just think the XFL is like. You know, the, these are the players. You're gonna like them. You're not. They're gonna curse. They're gonna they're gonna drink beers after the game. And we're gonna record it. You know, we're not gonna try and hide and be this. You know, I, I don't know how to how to put it, but like you know, like Disney Channel type Nickelodeon type of, of you know product. We're just gonna keep it real. And I think you know, it may not be as suitable maybe for like children, but I think at the same time, it, it makes it really interesting. And it, it seems like. You know, the, the league and the players and everybody who's involved with the XFL is not hiding who they are at all. You know, they're just being themselves, which I think is really cool. Um, so that's my little spiel in terms of that. And then another thing I've been seeing recently in terms of comments and in the news is that um, they're saying, you know, if the players perform well in the XFL, they should move to the NFL. Uh, one example of players is that I believe, I forget what team he plays for, uh, Cardell Jones, who was the quarterback for Ohio State a couple years ago. Um, right now, he is playing on the – he's the D.C. Defenders quarterback, and he's had a, a pretty good um, start so far. Obviously, they, they beat the New York Guardians 27-0. And people are saying, oh, he should really go to the NFL. And I just don't know if that playing well in the XFL is going to translate well to the NFL. Um, you know, the game's a lot slower. The players aren't as good. So he might be good for this league, but he might be, he might be terrible for the NFL. So it, it's kind of hard to say. You know how they would fall in the NFL. Um, do I think he he should definitely make a practice squad in the team? I would I would say absolutely give him a shot after the season, but I don't know how well they're going to translate. So you know I wouldn't say there's any guarantees in terms of Cardell Jones. You know might be MVP of the XFL. It's going means he's going to be at least decent in the NFL. Really, you don't know. We don't know how it's going to translate. Um, so that about covers the XFL. Brian, do you have any comments um, about Cardell Jones? I hmm. think. It's kind of interesting because you say, like, he could definitely make a practice squad, but I guess it probably would get into his mind which is, like, more worth it, being, like, the star of the XFL or being maybe a backup on a team. And that's kind of, like, the interesting situation that's going to arise with between the XFL and NFL, like, which is more worth it for the players. 100%. And I think a lot of that, as which I talked about last week as well, is going to be based on what the players think about the longevity of the XFL. Again, right now, it seems 
really good. Um, I, I never said Jack Schalmer actually interviewed one of the players that's playing in it. And again, I, I really like his take on the XFL. It's really unique because there's not too many people covering the XFL right now. But mm. I think as XFL grows, more people are going to cover it. So I'm hoping we can get on top of it before it grows into something, you know, near, I would say equivalent to a AAA mm. to the NFL. Um, so if we can get on top of that, that would be really nice. Uh, but yeah, as, as you're saying, like, the fact that they think there's so much money backed into this league and that they have the funding to last, last a while and they have a really good support system. If, if I would say if I'm Cardale Jones and I see the XFL having longevity, which it does seem like it does, you know, you might be able to make more money and be more meaningful to the fans and have a more meaningful career if you were a star in the XFL. True. So, as you said, it really depends. It's going to be kind of interesting to watch going forward to see, you know, where the XFL goes and whether players want to play for the NFL as a backup or the XFL as a starter. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you know who this is or if anyone listening does, but the Knicks used to have a point guard, Stefan Marbury, and he was, yeah, he was, he was good for the, like, a couple years, he was, I think he was an all-star a couple times, but then he he started to fall off and he went to China, and now he's, like, this huge, he, well, he doesn't play anymore, but he's, like, this huge figure in China, and you might be thinking, like, China Basketball League is nothing compared to the NBA, but he... Going over to China, he's like this whole big star, and it could be similar to Cardell Jones' situation. Similar to uh, Jim Fredette as well. Yeah, that's true. You remember he? Um, yeah. If you guys remember Jim Fredette, I would probably say the best shooting, the best shooter ever to come out of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have like people in the NBA say Stephen Curry in terms of range, while college basketball is always Jim Fredette. Mm. Did not pan out in the NBA, and he went to China and earned MVP. Yeah, and I'm sure he made quite a lump sum of money playing in China. So it worked out, you know, not entirely in his favor, but not bad. Yeah, definitely. Um, that covers the XFL. Uh, moving on to the NFL, I just wanted to say that it seems you know as time goes on and on, we're having a more interesting offseason building. I think you know there, there could be a lot to cover about the NFL um, offseason. There's a ton of players in moving right now, and I'll probably get more into it as as the the free agency signings start to come up and the NFL draft comes forward. Um, you know, I've, I've been saying that for a little while now. You get, again, it's not prominent right now, but it's going to be. I said, there's there's a lot of quarterbacks on the move in this offseason. We have Tom Brady. We don't know where he's going to sign. Could, I'd say he's likely to sign with the Patriots, but he really could sign with any team. I think any team would take him if he, he's not asking for too much money. Um, you know, Phillip Rivers, is he going to retire? Where is he going to go? Is Drew Brees going to return? He most likely is, but... Where's Marcus Mariota going to go? Are the Bears going to keep Mitch Trubisky? Um, what quarterbacks are going to get drafted? Justin Herbert, Tua, uh, you know, uh, Burrow. Burrow's likely going to go to Cincinnati. But again, just a ton of quarterbacks in the move right now. We had Eli Manning retire. Um, I don't know if the NFL for agency's ever seen uh, a year like this where we, almost every single quarterback in the NFL is either up, up for a move yeah, or maybe a big contract signing. Patrick Mahomes might sign a big contract. Also, the, um, the uh, Cam Newton might be on the move too. The Lions might move off of Matt Stafford, which has been in the rumors for a couple of years now. I think Matt Stafford's pretty good. I think his arm, his arm talent is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, who knows what the Lions want to do? They want to package him for a trade deal. Like again, just so many quarterbacks on the move that I, I really don't know what's going to happen. Um, so I'm hoping we get a pretty good, interesting NFL all season. You know, as well as there's a lot of uh, different like role players in the move. 
Uh, one that I could think of right off the top of my head, the Giants, they traded a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick for Leonard Williams to the Jets, and he's, I would say at this point, not likely going to resign with the Giants. So the Giants gave up a third and fifth-round pick for Leonard Williams, who most likely the Jets were not going to keep because he's going to ask for too much money, and the Giants, I don't think, can keep him either. So the Giants, basically the Jets got a free third and fifth-round pick. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I, I, don't, I To this day, I don't really understand the move because our defensive line has a lot of good young players on it. It didn't seem like we needed the Leonard Williams, but we got him. Mm. Uh, so I don't, I don't really know what happened there. But that's the NFL offseason in this building. Um, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, Brian, do you have any comments? Um, I, not, yeah, no, I don't. All right. So I, I guess that concludes our NFL set. Yeah, yeah, we got the NBA now. Um, so today, a lot of juiciness, a lot of juiciness. Yeah. Um, so this was all-star weekend, all-star game, I think is happening right now, maybe like in five minutes, but, um, so the, I'm not going to talk about the celebrity game. The rising stars game happened on Friday and, uh, obviously if you didn't watch, uh, team us, team USA ended up winning. Um, I don't know what the final score is. Actually, I have it pulled up. 151, 131. Um, I really wanted to focus on R.J. Barrett, but just some other information. Miles Bridges ended up winning MVP, really because Team USA ended up winning. R.J. Barrett should have won it, but Team World, which is he he was on because he's from Canada, didn't win. Um, Eric Pascal did good. I'm sure Nick is happy about that. Um, but oh, yeah. more, I want to focus on R.J. Barrett. I was being a Knicks fan. It's nice to see. R.J. Barrett started off the year really well for the Knicks, and he's kind of simmered down. But one thing that people are saying is this shows that if he can have a good cast of characters around him, he can play really well. Obviously, it's one game, so you don't want to go too far into it. But he ended up having 27 points. Um, what was it? Six rebounds. 27 points, six rebounds, five assists, three steals. That doesn't, whatever, that doesn't really matter to me. But yes, that's not matter in this game. Yeah. Nobody really tries. Yeah. But the 27 points is definitely something to keep an eye on. Obviously, it's all offensive and everything and it's kind of like the all-star game but rj barrett kind of shined over all the other young stars which was nice to see and he was very efficient with his shooting what was his stats um 11 for 17 so it's nice to see he had a shot going um it's just exciting stuff next up um i don't think anyone really cares well the skills competition is fun to watch but who won um What's his name? The Pacers guy. Oh no, 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 no. It was it was it was a uh, Ben Adebayo from the Heat. Yeah, Ben Adebayo won the skills challenge. I don't know how he's an All Star, by the way. He's he's aver- been very good this season. He's averaging sixteen points though. Sixteen points is decent. Uh, he he's more like a, he's become like a fan favorite. He's he's really solid in Miami and for the Heat. I I watched him live and he was pretty good. But okay, um, uh, we. Maybe- I mean, at the, again, at the end of the day. Um, you know, being an all star is a hundred percent fan favorites and not about talent. That's true. That's true. AKA Devin Booker putting yeah. up twenty seven points a game and not making it, That's but will absolutely be an, an all pro at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about Which, that. At the end of the day, like, I, I in the in the NFL as well, like all star game, it's all it doesn't matter. It's all about being an all pro. As uh, you know, all being an all star is cool, but. Being all pro, number one, that means more upon your accolades. Yeah. Number one, number two, that's going to earn you more money in the long run than being an all star. That's true. Yeah, 
There was another player, but I guess that makes sense, the fan favorite. Um, what we mainly want to talk about was um, the little dunk contest that happened yesterday. Aaron Gordon got... What about the three-point contest? Buddy Heald. Oh, right, I forgot about that. Buddy Heald from the Kings one. I just got too excited about the dunk contest. Yeah, Buddy Heald ended up winning. Um, they did the special Mountain Dew ball, which was a three-point... Um, which was counted as three points, which was kind of cool. But I hate the product placement. Yeah. Too much damn product placement. But it was kind of funny because, like... They had the stand for the Mountain Dew thing, and it was a green ball, and the announcers kept on calling it a green ball, and I'm sure Mountain Dew wanted them to call it the Mountain Dew ball, but they just the kept Mountain on Dew referring ball. to it as the green ball, which was probably not what Mountain Dew wanted, but it was Devin Booker, Buddy Heald, in the fine. Well, it was really... What was the other guy's name? The, which one are you talking about? The, the, uh, the Wizards player. Mm, I don't know. Whatever. It was really Devin Booker and... Uh, Duncan Robinson? Is that him? Is he? Is he about the Heat player? I don't, I don't know. know. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Devin Booker and Buddy Heald basically were the only ones really in it because the other one didn't really have that great of a last round comparatively. But Buddy Heald ended up winning. It was fun to watch. That's probably my favorite one out of all of them, the three-point competition. But what we mainly want to talk about was the dunk, dunk contest. It was – do you want to go through the whole thing or just focus on the end? Um, I don't know, you can go through the whole thing, I guess. Yeah, okay. Um, it, it really didn't get fun till the end, but, uh, Dwight Howard was in it, um, Conova or something on the Bucks. Pat, Pat Canon. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> who was the other ones? Yeah, Pat Canon, um, Derek Williams, uh, Dwight Howard, Aaron Gordon, Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, I said that Derek Jr. Oh, I think uh, it was it, no? Was it one more player? I think there was... There was four. Four, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it was fun to see Dwight Howard again. I was surprised that he would do it, but he pulled out the little Superman stuff. He didn't really do yeah, that he, well. He's not as good as he used to be, but it's understandable. He's pretty old. Yeah. I thought Kavanaugh was getting... Whatever. How do you say his name? Pat, Pat Canone. Um, I thought he, he his I, I liked his dunks. I thought he was kind of being downplayed a little bit. But yeah, I thought he was creative for like uh, he, he wore the white man can't jump shirt, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny. Yeah, I liked the first dunk, but everyone was saying it was like an eight, which I didn't agree with. Um, but really, what we mainly wanted to focus was Aaron Gordon and Derek Jones Jr. Um, similar to 2017, I think it was when Aaron Gordon went up against Zach Levine, and they ended up having a dunk off. Um, in my opinion, Aaron Gordon got robbed again. Um, Derek Jones Jr. definitely was exceptional and really cool to watch. And everyone was saying it should have been – they should have both got trophies. But I guess that that's not how it could have ended. Um, and I feel like Aaron Gordon had like – I guess it was like 550s at that point. But I just thought his dunks were better at the end. And when he dunked over Taco Fall, how did he not win? Um I do get, um, he did, like, Taco Fall's head did bend a little bit, so if you don't want to say that he jumped over all 7-5 seven, seven of him, I think he's 7-5, then I can see that, but dunking over someone like that is crazy, and I think he should have won. I think Dwayne Wade was a little biased and gave away a point, so Derek Jones could end up winning. Um, yeah, so that way, this guy just pretty much covers our controversial topic. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't much that happened this today, uh, this week. But um, just going through this, 
I'm probably against the opinion. I don't think Aaron Aaron Gordon got robbed. Okay. I think the dunk contest could have went either way. It should have been like a tie. Uh, I think they both had really good dunks. I honestly don't think that the dunk over Taco Fall was that impressive, to be honest. Really? He's really tall, but at the same time, like, you know, Aaron Gordon, he's a phenomenal dunker. And, you know, if he's able to have that vertical, it's kind of expected, I would say. It's the thing. It's it's because it was Taco Fall. But it's he's such five. a fan favorite. Which I I think you know Derek Jones could have easily done that too. I don't know. I, I don't think Aaron Gordon really got like in either dunk contest. To be honest, did he get unlucky a little bit? Yeah, I just I, how things played out. I did think Zach Levine would win the first one. He should have won, obviously. Um, but I, again, this doesn't take away at all from Aaron Gordon. I, I think that. The dunk we had were on off the side of the backboard, and he, like, caught it and 360 windmilled it. Uh-huh. That was pretty cool. That was a really cool dunk. But I think Aaron Gordon in the last dunk, in the 2016 dunk contest, that was probably the best dunk of all time. It's the best dunk that I've ever seen. That was absolutely incredible. If I remember correctly, the – I forget who it was. The Magic Mascot did, yeah. like, a 360 on one of those uh, – I don't know what those things um, – the hoverboards. Yeah. And then – like, Aaron Gordon literally sat down in midair, caught it underneath his legs, and took it around and he talked it all. It was beautiful. That was the best, best dunk I've ever seen. Yeah. And nothing will ever top that. <laughs> you know? Um, so, I think that, I, I guess, like, Aaron Gordon should have won, yes. But I don't really think he got, like, totally robbed as people are making it out to be. Like, it was very, very close, you know? Yeah. Um, That's one thing. And then two other things. I think that, you know... The fact that he should have won and did it, I think it's more a testament to that the NBA needs to stop, again, like product pushing everything and stop getting celebrities that are going to sell tickets and have a more legitimate dunk contest. I think that every person that's a judge should have, should have had to at least participate in one dunk contest before. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to do it. You know, people with experience that actually Make it more know serious. how to judge it. Yeah. Not have... Uh... Um, the uh, Chad guy, yeah, Chad Boswick, yeah. and the common like, what do they know about dunking? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't see neither of them can dunk at least to that caliber. <laughs> um, so that's one thing about it. And then the second thing about it that I wanted to say was that at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters who wins. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that most people, you know, looking down the line, nobody really remembers who won dunk contests. Like, let's put it this way. The dunk contest that is pretty iconic that Vince Carter won, I don't know how many years ago, he could have easily lost that dunk contest, but it was because of that special dunk that it'd be remembered. You know, the 2016 uh, dunk contest, people don't remember it because Zach Levine won and and Aaron Gordon got robbed. They remember it because of how cool the dunk was, how the cool dunks were, and how good the competition was. Mm -hmm. So I think this is one of the dunk contests that people will remember. I think it was really good. A lot of cool dunks in it. Um... I think it's going to be a lot more important down the line rather than who won versus didn't. Uh, I, I can't definitely understand Aaron Gordon's frustrations, though. I do hope he gives it another shot, even though he said he wouldn't. Yeah. Maybe he'll change his mind down the line. I think he, he's exceptional. I think he does deserve to win at least one because yeah. he's that talented of, of a dunker. Um, so that covers, like, the dunk contest for me. Um, and then going off with just a little bit more about the NBA All-Star game, I think the, the actual game is absolutely pointless. For sure. I think the Rising Stars game is too. You should just be giving awards out rather than have these stupid games where nobody tries and it's all offense. 
I don't really understand it. The only thing I do like is the skills competitions. I think they're pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, say, as I said, same thing with um, the NFL and the Pro Bowl. You know, have the skills competitions. They're fun. You know, have the players do something else in basketball to maybe celebrate the fact they're all stars. Because these, you know, having a pointless game it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Having skills like three point contests, uh, skills competitions, stuff like that. I think those are re- number one. They're really interesting. But number two, they're, they're actually have you know somewhat of a purpose rather than a meaningless game where nobody tries. It's true. Okay, I think it's all about selling tickets, though. Definitely, all about that. <laughs> At money. the end of the day. Um. So baseball, I forgot one thing that I wanted to. I'll do it after this. So, the Astros really finally had their like speaking out thing against the cheating scandal. They had their fan fest where they didn't really say much. Um, but I think it was. I think it was Thursday. No, it was Wednesday where they or Wednesday or Thursday they had like their media day at spring training, and obviously all their questions that they got was regarding the cheating scandal, basically. And they had um, Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve speak. Um, and they were very very apologetic. As apologetic as they could be, in my opinion. I mean, it's such a situation that, like, no apology is going to really fit. And no apology is going to make anyone feel like, okay, they're good now. They're even. Um, I don't think any apology that they would have had would have made anyone happy with the situation. Um but I think them two did a good job. I mean, I'm not, like, sorry for them or anything. But I still am a little annoyed by the owner saying that um, basically his quote was, we had a good team and it, the cheating didn't impact them winning the championship. And obviously we can't say how much it did impact them, but it definitely did give them an advantage over beating the Dodgers, um, obviously. And... I, that's just no way to come back from the situation. You you should be apologetic. Um, they ruined the integrity of the game, and that's just not a thing that you say. I'm sure the question was, do you think that you deserved it? But the way that he said it just kind of irked me. Carlos Correa said that uh, they won fair and square, which probably isn't the best quote to say considering it's a cheating scandal, and there's no way that's fair or square. Um, and I think that for the most part, the Astros did a good job, um, but there's still a lot of players that are angry against that, uh, towards them, as there should be. Um, some of them, Cody Bellinger spoke out again, saying that they that they don't deserve to have the championship. I don't I don't remember if he said the Dodgers deserve to have it, but obviously it's not going to f- get flipped around. It's either going to be taken away or they're going to have it. Yu um, Darvish, who was on the Dodgers in 2017, also spoke out. Basically saying that because he was one of the pitchers that was hit hard in the in the World Series and he couldn't like this gives him like some idea like he's not that bad. And it was because the Astros were cheating partially and he thinks they don't deserve the championship. Um, Interesting little story. Mike Bolzinger, who I'm sure no one really knows of, um, he's actually suing the Astros. So he was on the Blue Jays in 2017 and he. He was like a journeyman pitcher, um, finally got called up from the minors um, after injuries and not playing while he was in the minors, obviously. He got called up, and he he had like two good appearances, and then he got put in against the Astros in like a regular season game, and he got hit hard, ended up getting um, designated for assignment as meaning he was cut from the team, and he's never played um, in the majors again. He went to Japan. 
um, and pitch there. But he ended up he's suing the Astros because he they ruined his um, job. I don't think anything's going to come of that, but it's just kind of like sim- symbolic of the situation. And he also said that he wants the Astros either to get their championship taken away or to have all the money that they made from winning the World Series be donated to charity. Um, but that's kind of an interesting little thing. And then I don't remember who the pitcher was, but someone was asked, like, have you thought about throwing at the Astros hitters throughout the season? And he said, I don't know his exact quote, but he said, yeah, I've thought about it. So that's something to look at. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pitchers throwing at the Astros, which is interesting. And um, finally, which I wanted to say was um, going off the cheating scandal, when these players hit free agency, that's going to be a big thing going on to these teams where, like, I feel like all of baseball, all all the pitchers are just so against these hitters, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, really any of the stars on that team, that it'll be hard to get them in the clubhouse, and it should be interesting how that would impact um, that situation. Nick, comments about that? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, it's definitely going to be hard for them to, to be moved in free agency if, if whether like the Astros want to trade them or, you know, before they hit the free agency or they, you know, they want to go sign with teams yeah. like team, you know, teams are definitely going to say the fact they cheated and their players will hate them. And there'll be a bad locker room presence when trying to sign them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going off of that, I think I saw, I think it was Correa said or whoever it was said that, um, that Cody <laughs> Bellinger needs to shut the F up. I think that's pretty terrible for him to say that, you know, you're, you're making yourself look worse here to, it's such a tough, difficult situation for the players. Um, I don't know if you saw the report, but it also said like the the it, the cheating was mostly player driven too. Mm. It wasn't even from the higher ups, which is pretty bad. But the them will be decided not to punish them because they wanted honest answers and really figure out what what happened about it, rather than mm. you know trying to punish them and never getting a true story and have it be clouded. They'd rather get true answers and then not yeah. punish them, which I think I, I guess is a better move. Um. But at the same time, they could promise that and then take it away. I don't think it's 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 kind of not, I guess, a moral move. But you know, they cheated and they get what they deserve. I, I don't know how to really put it there, but it just sucks. Yeah, and, <laughs> they really ruined the integrity of the game. And, and I really, you know, if they get pitched at this season, I know the MLB said that they're going to have heavy fines for that. But if you're a Nationals player, you should have saw this coming. Yeah, um, I guess bouncing off what you bounced off of, but. Um... The fact that Carlos Beltran was going to be the Mets coach and he was basically, it seems more and more like put heavy pressure on the other players to get involved. He was going to be in charge of elite, an elite pitcher like Jacob deGrom, who was mad about uh, sign stealing last year, even when it wasn't focused around Astros and Carlos Beltran. And then all these other good pitchers that the Mets have, that would have created such a conflict in the locker room. And it, uh, I don't even know how they would have dealt with it. But um, before we get into the rankings, um, I also wanted to mention the new playoff format that baseball is thinking of. This happened way earlier in the week, probably like the day after our last podcast. But um, Rob Manfred and baseball in general came out, kind of like leaked a new playoff picture to see how people would take it. Basically what it would be, um, instead of 10 teams making it, so five from each um, league, it would be seven from each league, three, obviously three division winners and four wildcard teams. And how it would work, the three division winners from each um, league would be ranked. And 
Um, going in order, one would get to pick from the wildcard teams who they would want to play. Two would get to pick, then three would get to pick, and then the first wildcard team would play the last wildcard team available. Um, in my opinion, I kind of like the idea that it gets more teams involved, gets more fans into it. And I get the idea of, like, when does it stop? When do they stop adding more teams to the playoffs? And when does the playoffs just become irrelevant and a relevant title? And you just have all the teams in the playoffs. Um, but uh, obviously it's going to stop at some point. And the more you can get more teams involved and the more excited fans can be, it's just an, it's a, it's another money grab for baseball. But it's kind of a fun money grab because all the fans are going to be excited to have their team in the playoffs. And... I like the idea about the selection thing. It brings more strategy to it because let's say um, the Yankees, let's say they have the top spot in the AL um, and the Red Sox have the uh, last wild card spot. It would be interesting to see if the Yankees want to take on the Red Sox who might be the worst team and take them on because they're the worst team or not take them on because there's a big rivalry there and would want to start the playoffs off with not so much attention on them and obviously you're going to play up to your rivals. So that adds a lot of strategy to it. In my opinion, I really like that idea. Um, I don't know, Nick, do you have any opinions on that? Um, yeah. I can't really say what's going to work versus what's not. Um, I can say that, you know, baseball is kind of a dying sport right now. So yeah, anything they can do, you know, in terms of like their ratings and what they, what the baseball has been in the past, obviously it was America's biggest sport for the longest time. And it's kind of shifting now. Um, whatever they can do to stir up, you know, more interest towards baseball. I, I think playoff baseball is is really incredible. Um, yeah. you know, I think part of the part of the problem with baseball is the season is so long. It's what is it, a hundred and eighty-two games, fifty-two, sixty-two. Um, sixty-two. Yeah, I always forget the number. I, I'm always thinking like um, basketball and whatnot. But with the season being so long, like me personally, I'm not as interested in the regular season as I am in, as interested in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, if you lose a, a game in the regular season, it's okay. Well, there's always another one. We're in the playoffs, you know. The playoff games matter a lot more, so that's where most of the, the interest to baseball is drawn. So if you can, you know, try and draw my interest by changing things up, I don't think it's a bad move. Yeah, whatever, you, whatever they think it, based on their research is good. I'd probably go along with just just because of the spot that baseball is in right now. Yeah, they're definitely. I don't know. This is kind of funny, but I don't know how much it has to do with anything. But ESPN used to have like. When you go on ESPN, it shows, like, the major sports, and they used to have baseball up there, and now it's football, basketball, um, men's college basketball, and soccer, and MLB's, like, on another tab. So I think that goes to show um, the popularity is dying off. I don't know if that's actually how they do it, but it's kind of funny. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, I don't know, Nick, if you want to take this one, but the MLB rankings that they had. Uh, sure. So not really sure. Uh, how they did this, but apparently it's via baseball prospectus. I'm not really sure what that is. I'm assuming it's either software or a third-party person company. Um, the MLB on their Instagram wound up releasing uh, projected standings that they have um, for you know each uh, division or division. Um, you know the AL and the NL. I just thought the projections were kind of interesting. Uh, just going through them real quick. Uh, the in terms of the AL East, they have the Yankees winning with 99 wins, which I think is pretty interesting considering the fact that the Yankees added 
Garrett Cole, and they are projecting the Yankees to lose four more games this season, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Again, these are pro- these are projections and, and not necessarily reflective of what's going to happen. So they're predicting that there's going to be injuries or something because it just Yankees, you know, overall have a better roster than they did last season, and they have less wins. I'm not really sure how that works. Um, they have the Twins at 93 wins. Um, I'd say it's possible. You know. I, if the Yankees, if the Twins get 93 wins and the Yankees get to play them in the playoffs again, that's a W for the Yankees. <laughs> so, um, they have the Astros at 98 wins. It's one less than the Yankees. Me and Brian talked about this um, a little bit over over text a couple of days ago. You know, I think that the Astros are going to be somewhere between a 70 and 80 winning team. I think this scandal is going to affect them pretty hardly. You know, when you think about it, they have a new manager coming in. Um, the team, you know. They're definitely not all together right now. I'd imagine a lot of them are in different places right now. The players that didn't want to participate in the cheating, we really don't know who that is versus who, who um, you know, was really for it versus not for it. I'm sure there's some divide there. The team doesn't really have confidence right now. They're, they're kind of lost. They don't have an identity. You know, they're involved, in, again, in a huge cheating scandal. So I just think this is going to take a pretty big hole in their season. It's going to make them a 70-80 to 80 win team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Angels came out on top in the AL West. Uh, moving on from that, um, so we have the NL now. They have the, the Mets winning the NL East with 88 wins, oh, yeah. um, which I think is pretty interesting. I, I think the Nationals are probably going to win it again. Um, you know, they didn't really lose that much this offseason. Everything that they've lost, they've added a little bit back, so maybe they're not going to be as good as they were last last season. Because yeah, they weren't that great in the regular season, but obviously they won the World Series, so you know it's hard to really put them. I think you know where they should be is uh, going to have a big impact on them. Yeah, you know, not having Rendon, I think, is going to be important. But again, they also they also refilled with some good amount of talent. I forgot who they signed. I know, I know, they refilled with a couple players, and also um, their young players are just going to get better, which is true. Yeah, actually, do you remember who the players they signed were? You would know better than I would. Um, no, but I'll look it up while you keep talking. All right, so I think the Nationals are probably going to win out in NL East. Uh, NL Central, they have the Reds winning. You know, I, I think it's possible. The NL Central, I think, is pretty um, it's up for a race between uh, the Cubs, the Reds, and uh, St. Louis. You could be any of those teams, in my opinion. I don't think the Reds really have this thing on lock. And then the NL West, they have L.A. with 103 wins, which I think L.A. is pretty good, but I don't think they're as good as the Yankees. Me and Brian also debated about this. I think that the Yankees are, are far and be above the, the Dodgers, even though the Dodgers mm. just get a, did get a lot better as they just acquired Mookie Betts. But, you know, a 103-win team, I think it's possible if the Yankees, if they're a 103-win team, the Yankees are a 105-win team. <laughs> they would think about it down the stretch. It's pretty minuscule, but, you know, wow. I, I just think the Yankees are better than the Astros. So, um, that's my little spiel about their projections. If you guys want to find these, uh, they posted about them a couple days ago. Um, right yesterday, actually, it was 24 hours ago. So on February 15th, uh, 2020, it will be posted on their Instagram. So if you guys wanted to go check out all the projected standings, you can go check them out there. Um, did you find the players, Brian? Or no? Um, I don't know why it's so hard to find who they. All right, wh- whatever. It doesn't really make a difference. I-, I know they took one of the Yankees players. I'm pretty sure that was a big thing for them. Oh wait, I can't remember exactly okay. who it was, but maybe. What are your opinions, Brian? Um, so. Uh, first, about the Astros, um, obviously they lost Garrett Cole, which is going to have an impact, um, but more about how the cheating scandal. So I definitely don't think they're going to win 98, team, 98 wins. I think 
a fair projection would be like 88 to 95. Obviously, that's pretty wide. Maybe 88 to 93. Um, I think the shooting scandal definitely is going to have an impact on them. But it could also sway the other way. And, like, you have the whole whole baseball around. Baseball against you. Like, they could all come together and play really well. Um, that would be all on Dusty Baker figuring out how to get that to happen. Because I don't think that is going to happen. I don't think they're going to all come together. But I think their talent in in baseball, like, it's kind of different than basketball um it's more like individual and everything and if you have the talent in my opinion that could take you really far and the Astros definitely do have that talent to win above 90 games um and I I think in the beginning the cheating scandal is going to definitely have an impact on them and it's going to cause them to not play as well as they could be because everyone's going to be against them but I think as the season goes on they'll figure it out and start to play how how a 90-win team would play, and I think they are going to end up winning those 90 or more games. Um, in ter- what was the next thing? Um, for the Nationals, uh, I think that, like I said, Anthony Rendon, not having Anthony Rendon is going to have a huge impact on them. They didn't did sign a lot of people. I wish I could find it. Um, how does it how's it not happen? Whatever. But they did sign a lot of people, and their young players are going to get better. Um, and that's going to hold a lot of weight. But I, I, if I had to pick who's going to win, and I don't want to be biased or anything, I'd say the Braves are going to win. I think they have a really good team. Um, and they played really well last year and the year before. And they their whole team surrounded by young is all about young talent, and that talent's just going to get better, similar to the Nationals. But I think the Braves have a lot more talent than the Nationals. Um, in my opinion, I think the Phillies are even going to be better than the Nationals. I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Nationals, and that's kind of what happened last year when they got rid of Bryce Harper. I just didn't have a lot of confidence in them. And maybe that was wrong for me to be that because that ended up jinxing them. But um, I just don't, I don't think the Nationals are going to end up winning. I am happy that they picked the Mets because that shows that they have confidence in them. But once again, it's just projections, and I can't really base any of any optimism on that. Um, other than that, I, oh, the other thing, the Yankees, I think I, I do understand what you're saying. That doesn't really make sense how they would, um, how many more wins was it? Or did, was it less? Do you remember? It was, it was four less ones. Oh, four less ones. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the only thing that I could think of, no, I, that doesn't even make sense because, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of weird. <laughs> Because I was going to say, but it wasn't projections that you're basing off of. Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, yeah, that's basically all I have for the MLB stuff. One thing about the Mets, I think, is that the Mets are going to get a lot better this season. And I, I could t- I could see why they're putting them in first. I just think that the Nationals have still have intact, enough intact in team to win out the division again. But in terms of the Mets, right, you have uh, Pete Alonso going into, into his uh, – is this his second season? Yeah. Right. Um, Brook of the Year is kind of funny in the MLB because did he? How many years did he play in the like the minor leagues? When you think about it, right? Yeah, obviously. I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't know. But um, either way, like you have you have Pete Alonso, Rookie of the Year, right there. Um, you know he's he's incredible. Right, you got um Batanzas, who I think you know if he comes back and plays the way he did that he did for the Yankees, and he you know he's that type of caliber player he can win you like 10 games throughout a season just saving you games yeah you know solely like 
you know, you're in a battle, you, you get a one run, you get a run late in, late in the game, and Batanzas will hold off the other team for you to win that game. So Batanzas is that caliber of pitcher. So between those two alone, I think you're, you're going to have, you know, the possibility of winning a lot of games there. Um, we'll have to see where they go, but again, I just think the Nationals have more of a complete team right now. Not to make this all Mets focus, but if we're going to bring up the Mets, um, I think that, like, I don't want to be, like, too optimistic, but, like, they seem pretty solid to me. Um, they have good players in every single, like, pitcher, pitching, batters, and bullpen arms, however you want to say it. I think the major question comes down to the bullpen, and I think it, it's really annoying that it's every season that it ends up being that, but if a lot of people projecting Edwin Diaz have a bounce-back season, and I really hope that's true, but the fact that they have Dylan Patances who could end up closing for them if um, Edwin Diaz doesn't, come back, doesn't have that comeback season is very exciting for me and very provides me with a lot of optimism, which I'm not really used to having. Um, but I guess that's it for baseball. Um, I guess college stuff. Wow, very exciting. So we into the college stuff now. Uh, as I said before, um, you know, not much going on with college. As of right now, we're still waiting on the draft, which is two months away. Um, you know, everyone's starting to solidify who's what, where in the draft. Um, you know, where's Tua going to land? Is he better with his hip injury really better? Are they just saying that? Um, so we'll have to see where that ends up. So, uh, moving on from that, we're into college basketball. I think there's a lot of good stuff this week in terms of college basketball. If I remember correctly, there's either like 10 or 11 ranked teams that got upset this week, so that's going to be pretty interesting to see how the top 10 moves. Um, in terms of the top 10 right now, just to go through it, um, oh, I didn't have it up, which I normally do, which kind of stinks. But, okay, so obviously I think Gonzaga is still in number one. Um, I think Kansas is the number two right now. If this would load, please. Of course, it's not loading. Love the in-air connection here at yeah. Villanova. One of the things I, my number one pet peeve about Villanova is the internet connection stinks. You gotta have good internet. Um, it does because I'm trying to do my work and it doesn't work. But uh, so going here we go. Um, okay, this doesn't help me at all. This is 2017. Why? Why are we doing this to me? Why? Why? All right, is Baylor Gonzaga? Here we go. I think it's okay. Okay, it's not loaded. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, I know it's Baylor still number one. I think Baylor Gonzaga, um, San Diego State, and Kansas. Those are going to be your one seeds for the March Madness tournament. Those are kind of locked in. Um, Baylor and Gonzaga are really strong. I don't know how good San Diego State is. They're the only undefeated team left in the country, but at the same time, their conference is really bad. So, you know, for all of you March. So for those of you preparing for March Madness, which is right around the corner, it's about a month away. Um, you know, in terms of your number one seeds, I would definitely look for, to knock out San Diego State as your number as the first one seed to go. Um, from there, it's 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 you know, between those three number one seeds. It's March Madness, so it makes it so madness. So much madness is that you don't know who's going to win. But I think San Diego State, even though the only undefeated team is probably the weakest one seed there. Um, beyond that, in terms of games of the week, I probably I'm going to pick uh, Maryland versus Michigan State. Uh, Maryland, number nine seed, winds up beating Michigan State 67-60. to 60. And it moves Michigan State to 17-9, which they're unranked right now. I just think it's pretty interesting how, like, I don't know, some, some of the, those blue blood programs, the top-tier programs over the past couple of years, Michigan State with Cassius Winston, 
you know, preseason they were ranked the number one team in basketball, and now they're unranked almost into March. We're, we're midway through February, and they're unranked, which is nearly unheard of since for the longest now in terms of Michigan State. And you also think about UNC is also unranked, which they're always a, a top-tier program. So it's, it's, it's been a really unusual season for college basketball. You know, nothing but upsets. You know, ranked teams constantly losing. Constant movement of number one seeds, even though we've had some steadiness for a little bit now. But, you know, who knows when, when you know, as soon as the number one seed loses, it's probably going to switch again. So um, it's just been pretty incredible. Yeah. And then I guess my piece is that uh, for Villanova, Villanova beat Temple today. And I just love – I just – one thing I want to point out in watching this game is how little announcers, like, you know, people people think these analysts, they know a lot. They really don't. And that, you know, that's one of the things that we go off of in, in terms of the sport universe is that, you know, we, we don't agree with these announcers literally just trying to spit out a, spew out opinions that it will get ratings and likes rather than, like, true rational facts or based on, you know, fandom. Yeah. Um, and what I'm basing this off of is that, you know, the announcers today for, for the Villanova game said that the, Villanova would went, never win a national championship with the players that we have. They said we're nothing but role players. And that will never win being able to shoot threes. Um, one thing, one issue, couple issues about this is that Villanova, I believe we have five or six players with over 10 points per game, which if you're looking at on the NBA scale, that's like having players with, I'd probably level it up to like 17 points per game. Imagine having or about 15, 17 points per game in the NBA, just, I guess, just for players that people that don't watch college basketball is also for Brian. You know, if, if an NBA team has five to six players averaging 15 to 17 points per game, number one, they're pretty well balanced. Yeah. Number two, they have a decent amount of good players on that team. A- am I right, Brian? Definitely. And they said we're nothing but – and this I forget what announcer it was, and it was a couple of them. They're saying we're nothing but role players and that we'll never win a national championship that way. Also, number two, they said we'll never win a national championship shooting the amount of threes because I think 48% of, of Villanova's shots come off of, come off of the three-pointer. Which I get your point, right? You know, and he made the point that oh, if they don't hit the shots and they lose, well, I'm like no kidding. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, three point shots are not as successful as regular as like layups. So the fact that if you're going to miss three, you're not going to win the game. I do understand that, but at the same time, the last two national championships that the Villanova has won in 2016, 2018, not that long ago, they won it as a top tier shooting team in in entire college basketball. Like we were the best three point shooting team. In, of all college basketball. To say that we can't win a natty shooting threes is absolute ludicrous, and it's just not based in any fact at all. And it's just amazing to me that these analysts are, you know, they say these things. I don't know why they say them, either for ratings or just for their own pleasure. I can't really tell you why. But they, they, they don't know what they're talking about, and they'll say anything for ratings, and it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. That's, that's, like, one of my biggest pet peeves. Like, because obviously, like, they're a national organization, and they have these... Yeah, they have these analysts that don't like they get these they get they do some research on the teams, but they're not watching them every game. And yeah, they they get they have like a editing team for them that does all the research. And like I was writing about this the other day, but like whenever teams in the World Series, like no one wants to hear John Buck talk because John Buck and any of the other even in the whole playoffs, no one wants to hear all these people that don't have any connection to the teams like um. If, uh, who's the Yankees announcer? What's his name? Michael K. If Michael K, if the Yankees were in the World Series, everyone wants to hear Michael K because he has a connection to the Yankees. He has a lot of, uh, emotional value behind the Yankees or Gary Cohn with the Mets. Like, these people know who these players are inside and out and what the team is. And that just, that example is perfect. 
Um, but I guess that's it. We did the controversial topic. So, yeah, that's it. Nick, final thoughts. Uh, so, final thoughts. Uh, pretty interesting week uh, for sports. A lot of, like, interesting new stuff. It's pretty different from a regular week. Uh, XFL, NBA All-Star, um, you know, MLB, the cheating. So, it's just, I don't know, it's pretty interesting. It's, you know, uh, other than that, um, I had a pretty good week. Uh, for the most part, um, ENT this week we had pharmacology, so I, I we practiced like giving uh, noxalone, which is Narcan. Pretty interesting stuff. It, it's pretty. I, I forget why it's like why it's so effective. Apparently, like it has no side effects or no like negative effects. Mm. Or no, it's called contraindicators, which means it's like if you were to give somebody the drug called noxalone, which you spray into their nose. If people don't know, it's like Narcan. It's it, it basically stops somebody from overdosing. If you were to spray that into anybody's nose. It wouldn't do anything unless they have an opioid or in their system. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That, like you could just spray that up anybody's nose and they'll be fine. Hmm. Um, that was probably in terms of knowledge. That was my highlight for knowledge of the week. <laughs> um, other than that, I really don't have much to say. Um, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, again, feel free to contact me on my Instagram at nick.horvath. You can contact me on my Twitter at nickhorvath61 or on my email at nicholashorvath10 at yahoo.com. Um, you know, I, I hope you know going forward we get some some pretty good uh, free agency news. I'm hoping I, I'm really excited to get you know because I as I am pretty big into football. I'm gonna get pretty excited you know come closer to draft time to really put some mock drafts together. Um, one of my one of my more favorite things to do. I, I really enjoy the draft, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that our Rockets can do pretty well in, in the next half, or I guess it's a little bit more than half of the NBA season. That's a, lot, a little less than half. It's the NBA season left. Uh, so a lot, a lot of good stuff going forward. I'm also excited for March Madness. Probably that's probably my favorite like time in, in sports is March Madness. I, I love the rush of it. It's really fun. Um, so those are the things I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping you guys uh, you know stay along with us and you 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 hop on the journey that we're uh, we're going through. So uh, thank you guys for listening. I'm gonna hand it over to Brian. All right. Um, so I had a pretty interesting week as well. Um, I left school early on Thursday. Got home, got sick, so that was great. Um, but feeling better now, so I know everyone was worried. I know, but I'm good. Don't worry, I'm here. Um, other than that, not much more. I have off tomorrow, which is very exciting because I didn't think I was going to have off, but now I do. Um, Nick doesn't. I'm sure he's upset about that. But other than that, that's. That's basically it. Um, we did just pass 3,000 followers on our Instagram. Very exciting. Thanks for all the follows. Um, 4,000 is next. Seems far away, but hopefully. Also, 300 coming up on YouTube. I think we're seven away right now. So go subscribe. Um, but other than that, we'll be back next week. Let us know what you thought of this. Any comments, you can DM us, the .sport.universe. Um, check us out on YouTube. Check us out our website. We have a bunch of new writers writing, so go check that out. Um, if you have any interest, if you have any interest writing for us as well, or editing videos, or graphic design, or any way you think you could help us, contact the Sport Universe twenty nineteen at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.